Well, as we open up the Word of God together this morning, I invite you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be looking at the first part of verse 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the chair in front of you uh, that you are welcome to use. It'd be the version that I am preaching from. If you don't have a Bible with you, that is okay, or don't know how to use a Bible, that is Certainly okay, you can just follow along as I share with you this morning. I have been preaching through the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 6, the last chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we are looking at that section on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And we come this morning to the first part of verse 17, which says, And take the helmet of salvation. Now that may seem to you to be a very short phrase and one that you probably read and just move on quickly from. But I want you to know this morning that that little phrase is filled with truth. In fact, it is filled with so much truth that we are going to take two Sundays to look at it, this Sunday and next Sunday morning. So this is the first part of the topic of or the subject of the helmet of salvation. Let me read for you Ephesians chapter 6 and starting with verse seven, excuse me, verse 13 and working through the first part of verse 17. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says to the believers there, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation." So our first point this morning is the helmet of salvation. Now I want to remind us of where we are at in this series. I was on vacation the last two Sundays, so we're coming back to this series. And I just want to remind us that the reason we have to put on spiritual armor is because we are engaged in a spiritual war. I believe constantly, all the time. We have to keep reminding ourselves of the reality and intensity of the conflict. Back on June 23rd in the morning, I preached on the breastplate of righteousness. And at that time, I shared with you that I think it's important that we are constantly reading through the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation gives us that vivid picture of the intensity and conflict of spiritual warfare. And I read for you from Revelation 12, and I want to do that again. All you have to do is listen. Just listen to what it says in Revelation 12. This is going on all the time, even though we don't realize it. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon being Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, Satan, was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. That, excuse me, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, 
who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. We need to put on and take on the helmet of salvation. As we have seen in this whole section on the armor of God, the armor that Paul uses for the Christian is analogous to the armor of the Roman soldier. And there were potentially two kinds of helmets that a Roman soldier could wear. A helmet made of leather with patches of metal in it, or he could wear a helmet made of molded, solid, cast metal. The helmet of salvation can be a reference to either one of those helmets. The helmet would protect the head from at least two kinds of weapons. It would obviously protect the head from arrows, because as I have shared with you, arrows were used as a primary weapon at this time in history. And it would also protect the head from what was known as the broadsword. The broadsword was three to four feet long with a huge, massive handle. And you would hold the broadsword like a baseball bat. And it was designed for the soldier on horseback to deal a heavy, crushing, splitting blow to the skull of his opponent. Again, you have probably read about this or seen it in movies where they would come riding on their horse. Maybe they would engage another soldier who was riding on a horse or they would ride through a whole group of standing soldiers and they would take that broadsword and they would try to hit their enemy right in the head, right in the skull. And so your helmet would protect you from that kind of blow. Now, the helmet of salvation that the Christian is to take or put on is also a protection for the head. It protects the mind, the thinking process of the child of God. Now, the helmet of salvation, and this is important both for today and next Sunday morning, the helmet of salvation does not refer to being saved. It refers rather to the results of our salvation. Obviously, we're not going to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of our settled peace in Christ and take up the shield of faith and then get saved. No, every piece of the armor we have because we are saved. Also, we don't take our salvation and sometimes we put it off and sometimes we put it on. It is always on. We always have our salvation, but we are to take up, we are to put on a constant thinking process of the results of our salvation so that we can live them out and be protected by them. There are three aspects or three parts to the helmet of salvation. All of them are equal in importance. All of them are equal in beauty and protection. The first is it refers to our wisdom from God. Second, it refers to our thinking process, protecting our thought life. And third, it refers to the future hope of our salvation. We're going to look at the first one this morning and the second two next Sunday morning. 
So today, we're going to look at wisdom from God. Next week, we'll look at the protection of our thought life and the future hope of our salvation. So our second point this morning is wisdom, or excuse me, the wisdom of God. When we take the helmet of salvation, we are literally equipping ourselves with the wisdom of God resident in the person of Jesus Christ. We, as believers in Christ, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are to take unto ourselves God's wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In Ephesians, or excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says that Christ has become unto us the wisdom of God. He has become to us the very wisdom of God. Through our salvation in Christ, Don't miss it this morning. It is so important. We have access to divine wisdom. We do. We have access to divine wisdom. What is wisdom? From a biblical perspective, wisdom is the ability to see all of life from God's perspective. Wisdom is the ability to see all of life from an eternal perspective. Wisdom is is seeing all of life through the lens of the Bible. You gain God's wisdom by spending time with him in his word. You gain God's wisdom by spending time with him in his word. And folks, this is talking about, when we talk about the wisdom of God as part of the helmet of salvation, this refers to a serious intense study of scripture here's what we tend to do if we're not careful as a christian on a daily basis we pick up our bible we read a few devotional thoughts from the bible set it on our nightstand pat it before we go to bed and that's about as much time as we give the bible each day this is talking about something different this is talking about searching the scriptures, being serious about the study of scripture, no matter what your educational level is, no matter what your background is, as you read the word of God, you seek to gain a biblical perspective on all of life. And as you read scripture, as you read the word of God, you seek to know the mind of Christ and to practice the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We don't have time to go there this morning. It's a great section of scripture. Starting with verse 6 all the way to the end of the chapter. It says this. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2. It says we as believers, as born again Christians. We have the secret and hidden wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty thrilling. We have the secret and hidden wisdom of God, a wisdom that the world does not know and the world does not understand. 
And then at the very end of that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? It is a mind saturated with the word of God. The mind of Christ is a mind saturated with scripture. You also gain wisdom by spending time in prayer. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given him. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives wisdom generously. God wants you to be wise. He does. Here's how it works. We saturate our minds with scripture, with the word of God, as we seek to know and to practice the mind of Christ. And then we pray. We spend time in prayer seeking to apply the wisdom of God to my life and to my circumstances. It's always the Bible first and then prayer. Bible first, then prayer. You say, why is that, Pastor Tim? Because without the Bible, we don't know what prayer is. And we don't know how to pray without the Bible. So we seek through saturating our minds with scripture and through prayer to have the very mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is very different from the mind of the world. The mind of the world is temporal. It is secular. It is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. The mind of the world says this world is it. This is all we have and there isn't anything more. The mind of Christ is distinct from that. It is very different. With the mind of Christ, through Scripture, we believe in the very existence of God. We believe that He is an infinite, personal God. And that we are able to have a relationship with Him by faith and faith alone in the sacrificial death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. Through repentance and trusting in Christ alone and his death and resurrection, we can have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we study his word. And through the word of God, through scripture, we know how to relate to God. We know how to relate to the world. And we know how to relate to our fellow Christians. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Well, I want to try to bring this all together this morning and give you one final thought before we go to communion. And I want it to be a challenge to me and to all of you. The helmet of salvation can give you wisdom and insight that goes beyond your education and social status. The helmet of salvation can give you wisdom and insight that goes way beyond your education and social status. I don't care who you are this morning. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you've come to a point in your life where you've repented of your sin and invited Christ to come into your life, by saturating your mind with Scripture and through prayer, you can become a man of wisdom. You can become a woman of great wisdom. I don't care what your background is. 
Psalm 119 has a very interesting section. Great, it's the longest psalm if you're familiar with the psalms. But it has this little section that has always intrigued me. It's intrigued me my entire Christian life. Psalm 119 verses 97 through 100 says this. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I don't know about you. That's pretty powerful. Doesn't matter what your background is, how much education you have or don't have. If you love the law of the Lord, if you love the word of God and meditate on it all day, all day long, it can make you wiser than your enemies. It can give you more insight than all of your spiritual teachers and all of your spiritual elders. It can potentially make you wiser than some pastors are. It's available to all of you. No exceptions. If you know Christ is your Savior, you can become a man or a woman of great wisdom because you have taken on the helmet of salvation. Let me give you a very specific Biblical example of this. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are preaching about the resurrection of Christ. And they are preaching so powerfully that upsets that it upsets the Jewish religious leaders. They come and they arrest Peter and John. And they bring them before the Jewish ruling religious leaders. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that they are brought before the elders, the leaders, and the teachers of the law. Also there was Annas, who was the high priest at that time, and members of his family. Folks, these were some of the most well-educated, intelligent, scholarly people of their day. And they bring Peter and John before them, and they interrogate them. They grill them. And then in Acts 4, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, defends the faith. He gives this great defense of the death and resurrection of Christ. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, this is what we read. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men of great intellectual and academic learning saw these two men unschooled, the Bible says, ordinary men. When they saw their courage and their wisdom, they were astonished. The helmet of salvation gives us the very wisdom of God as we saturate our minds with Scripture and spend time with Him in prayer. Before we take the Lord's Supper, I want to ask all of us a question this morning. 
do you spend more time reading your Bible than you do reading other books? Do you spend more time reading the Bible than you do reading other books? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm a big believer in reading good books, especially good Christian books. We are so fortunate as a church. With Kendall Dara and her team, we have an outstanding library. I believe the library is a critical ministry of this church. So I believe in good books. But if we're not careful, as we look at a week in our life, we're spending a lot more time reading other books than we are reading Scripture itself. And do you know who's most guilty of this? Pastors. If they're not careful, pastors are very guilty of this. They spend a whole lot of time reading commentaries. They spend a whole lot of time reading books about the Bible, but not nearly as much time reading the Bible itself. Bible is the mind of Christ. The Bible gives us the wisdom of God to take on the helmet of salvation means to saturate our minds with Scripture and to spend time with God in prayer. As you take the bread and the cup this morning, remember, we have a great salvation. A greater salvation than we can ever understand. And part of that salvation is that we, in Christ, have been granted the very wisdom of God. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.